the podcast your baby all right do you want to oh. say a little special hi um then we can edit oh, you out no hey guys welcome back to the what that podcast i might edit this out but welcome to our second mini episode <laughs> of the season mini um I'm Ayana, but I'm not going to be in this one. Intruder. I'm happy to hand it over to Suhani and Mac. Yes. yes. We just love Ayana so much that we wanted to hear her pretty little voice for 10 seconds. <laughs> Dare I um, say we're obsessed. Oh. <laughs> oh. Okay. We I, love you, Ayana. <laughs> All right. Welcome to the What The F podcast. Today we're having a little mini episode. Mini with Mac and I. I'm Suhani. Um, and yeah, you want to get started? Yeah, so hey everyone, I'm Mac, as Suhani said, and today Suhani and I are going to be talking about hair, its significance to who we are, and our experiences with hair growing up. Um, it's also February, which means it's Black History Month, so whoop whoop, shout out to that. And to start us off, um, I was just going to make a small anecdote. So the theme of Black History Month this year is rebellion, and I wanted to address the resistance and rebellion that lies behind the three strands that make up cornrows. So during slavery, slaves used their hair and braids in particular as maps for escape routes. And there's also record of slaves using their hair to store rice and seeds for their travels when escaping enslavement. And I felt like it was important to address this because it exemplifies the idea that hair is not only tied to our identity in a physical sense, but also in a cultural and historical sense as well. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Um... I guess you wanted to talk about the history of black hair, right? We could start anywhere. These are no, just my notes. We could start anywhere. Such a good subway. Okay, go okay. Um, I don't know. You say something. You get I us kickstarted. Yeah, I want to hear okay. what you got. So, um, just as like a weird little bit of context, I actually, this was the idea I pitched at my What the F interview with Lindsay. Shout out to Lindsay. We love her. Um, <laughs> Lindsay Bay. <laughs> um. And basically, my whole idea was that, I guess if you think through a media lens or even in your own life, hair is just such an interesting tool of both, as we said, expression as well as, yes. you know, cultural identity and all of that. So I had this like little story I told her um, where basically I went into my mom's office when I was like six years old, just like waddling around. Because, uh, I don't know, I didn't have a babysitter for the day or, I don't know, my mom just wanted me to be there. <laughs> so I was walking around in her, like, little finance office and I was talking to one of her coworkers and he was like, oh my gosh, Suhani, you have your mom's hair. And I was like, no, 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 I promise this is my own hair. And he just started, like, <laughs> cracking up. It was really funny. But it just kind of, I don't know, to me it tells the story of how I see my family tree especially my maternal family tree in my hair yeah so I feel like with patriarchy you know it's just like you know my father and my father's father even to the point that like my dad did find a recorded family tree of my family that's so sick holy crap like when we went to go um i don't know do some religious thing but the thing was on the family tree it's literally only males written down really yeah oh i feel like i've seen that as a common thing which is rough because it's like there's a lot more to a family yeah. and the history so than just the men. So that's only like a like maybe half or less of my DNA. Yeah. yeah. Written down because every single mother in there. 
But it's funny because it's women that are giving birth. Yeah. It's women who are going through that process. So it's almost like erasing that important part. Yeah, I was developed in their womb, and yet they're not written on that family tree. So it's kind of like my way of doing yeah. that. Especially since it's really funny. My dad is bald. So <laughs> yeah. Bald dads. Like, I don't even think of like the patriarchal family Yeah. <laughs> but like the way I see it is like I have really long hair that like kind of just like falls down across my face. And so when I'm looking at in the mirror in the morning, it's almost like I can see in every single strand going down every, I guess, matriarchal figure that has led to me. And so I don't know anyone like past my grandmother if that makes sense but yeah it just kind of makes me feel like i can see them in an odd way no cool. but that makes sense like yeah. um similar to you my mom's adopted mm-hmm. and so she came from a third world country so we don't really know necessarily that much about her family and my dad's uh, parents, both of his parents passed away before I was born. Oh, okay. So I don't really have that close of a connection with like my family in terms mm-hmm. of the people that precede me that much. Um, and so I've always felt like the things that tie me the most to my culture are like 100% my hair and like oh, some of my mm-hmm. like features. And I've always felt like the closest to my background with just like my coils yeah. and like how curly my hair is. And it's nice to have that. Like even if you don't necessarily know your entire lineage right. and the people that come before you you still have something that ties you to them in a way so right. it's like, definitely nice I don't know their names I have a little bit of, it, of them in yep 100 percent like, really cool in a really nerdy way so, no it's it sick it's actually really sick um so yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I actually I'm not gonna lie I did read that like one part before you said it I thought it was so cute like I was looking <laughs> over our notes I was like oh my god Dude, that's I so still, cute like, laugh when I'm thinking about that I was like no it's not my mother's hair I didn't steal yeah I and also like I think it's funny too because my experience with hair is that my mom and I have very polar opposite hair like my mom's Hispanic and she has pin straight hair like it's pin straight like Mm -hmm. and mine is of course like crazy it's all over the place and growing up she didn't necessarily know how to do my hair, but I commend her so much because she always made the effort to learn how to do it. And she did the cutest styles. Like for someone who didn't have hair that was in any way similar, she always, you know, tried to bridge the gap and made an effort to learn different things and like try different things. And I think I attribute a lot of me trying different styles now to her kind of experimenting when I was younger. Yeah. Interesting. So what was it like like for you growing up, not really knowing it was it. a mess. Honestly, like there were so many years and so much time that I spent not knowing what to do with my hair. Mm-hmm. And I think the obvious like escape from that is maybe I should just straighten my hair so that I blend in with everyone else, you know? Oh, yeah. It's that basic thing of like, this makes me feel different. This makes me look different. How can I just camouflage myself and blend in? Ah, uh, Exactly. And oh my so gosh, just so many flashbacks. I know. And at <laughs> one point I like did this keratin treatment. So it's like they straighten oh, it. Keratin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was like it was cool and I liked it, but I noticed now when I straighten my hair, I like I never really like it because I don't look like myself to me. I get that. Like when I dyed my hair mm-hmm. like recently, she also was like, Oh, I can just like blow out your hair for you I was like I guess like sure and I just hated it like it it wasn't me it didn't look like me it didn't feel like me and it's funny because when I was younger I would have been all for it like Mm -hmm. I would have been so eager to do it and I think 
it's still like a journey for me now. Like even now I'm learning a lot about my hair. I'm learning about what products are right for me, what works for me, what's healthy, because honestly, there just was a huge lack of access to different resources for understanding my hair, knowing what to do with my hair. Mm -hmm. And a lot of my knowledge just came from either learning through experience or learning through people on YouTube. And it was really helpful, but still it's not the same as being taught. You know, there's certain things that I hope that I'm able to pass down to one of my kids at some point. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't know. I think that one of my favorite things is definitely like, as we were saying before, is just learning how to do braids and things like that off right. of a Brad stall. Like that was a, a core stall. memory. Yeah. Yeah. So a little all over. My hair does this thing where every couple of years it changes a little bit. And then it changes a little bit day to day. A little weird. So basically <laughs> as like a backstory, I had super curly hair until I was like six years old. And then it completely straightened out. And then it turned curly again, and it went through, like, a phase in my early preteens where it was just incredibly frizzy, and I didn't know what to do with it, and very curly. Yes. And so, like, yep. I I don't know. Like, my mom has very straight hair. My dad does not have hair. So, <laughs> <laughs> I know, it's really funny. I'm Ball sending, moment. <laughs> I'm sending him this clip later. <laughs> yeah, please. Like, I make fun of him all the time for it. But, like, my dad does not have hair. My mom <laughs> I don't know what it's funny to me. <laughs> so, like, it was just, I didn't know what to do with it at all. So I would, like, brush my hair, and it would just, like, fly everywhere yep. into a ball. Or I would, like, exercise or go out on a humid day. Um, and as we know, Connecticut is very humid. Connecticut. Whoa. That's all I have to say about that. Yeah. I'm, we need to keep that because that's all I have to say about yeah. Connecticut. <laughs> um... So it was just so humid. Like, I would, like, you know, and you're in your little, like, pre-teens or, like, middle school ages, and it's already when you're awkward. <laughs> and you, like, have a crush on some random dude, and you're, like, yeah. trying to look cute. And then, like, you're just really self-conscious about, like, your entire thing. So I didn't know what I was doing with my hair. I got some tips, and a lot of them didn't work. Some of them did. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And then over time, it just kind of... I learned some things. I learned to, like not dry out my hair as much Mm -hmm. so i also stopped using eurocentric products things like that yeah i think so i kind of wanted to talk about this but first i was going to say this other thing i think a lot of having curly hair is trying a ton of different things and figuring out what sticks like i have so many like empty bottles in my bathroom. Yeah, I have like, so many random products, like so many I random know. ones. I have, like one from like each major brand, like just trying like a little bit at a time, and I'm like, nope, this doesn't work. On to the next thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just like trying different hairstyles, it was really frustrating. Again, like when I was a preteen, like do I tie up my hair, but then all of my oh hair is frizzy. But then if I yeah. keep it down, like so, like for context, I do martial arts, or at least I did do it, and. Oh, wait, this is so funny. I find it really funny on the tangent of hair that in, like, martial arts movies or, like, you know, like, women heroine movies, all of that, every time a woman fights, her hair is loose! Her hair is loose! And it's perfectly laid. Like, let's talk about how good it looks every time. As someone who has done, like, one karate class total with hair open and that's for a reason it will get in your face for Mm -hmm. like the simplest of things that's not a punch and then you can't land on your target so unless you have some echolocation like a dolphin (laughs) it's just not gonna work echolocation (laughs) (laughs) beep 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 
BB. <laughs> That's what I imagine it sounds like. No, I know. <laughs> I'm like, it's just so realistic. But I mean, it looks good, but it's just... I did want to say something. Yeah. So, um, you talked about like frizziness, things like yeah. that. And oh my gosh, let me tell you. Frizziness was my enemy, okay? Enemy number enemy one. Enemy number one. <laughs> I was fighting a frizziness like nobody's business. And I used to wear these thick headbands, like really thick headbands oh gosh, to cover up the frizz. The oh my god. It was it was so bad. I think I went through not one but two awkward stages because one was of course that weird middle school into high school type of transitional phase. Yeah. And then the other one was my hair on top of that. Like oh. it was always this weird, awkward transition with my hair. Like, what do I do with it? This mm. style sucks. I look stupid, but I'm still gonna go to school like this because I don't know what else to do. <laughs> um and so, yeah, I think frizziness was always my worst nightmare, too. And it scared me because so many people would be like, oh, your hair is really puffy or it's like super mm-hmm. big. And I'm like, what do you mean, what do you mean by that? No, like, I, just... <laughs> I hated when people would say that or like yeah. when people would be like, just go, come up to me and touch my hair. And I'd be like, oh, my gosh. Oh my gosh. But people have learned now. People know I bite. Huh? People know I bite. As you should. That's you know. like. No. I'll do a little. Rawr, rawr. <laughs> That's just so offensive. Just like walk. Like yeah. I heard of it and I just. Yep. No, I hate when I'm touched at all. Yeah. That. And that especially, it's just. It's one of those microaggressions. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, I have no idea what else we were talking oh, about. I've got something for you. Okay. So I don't know if you've also noticed this, but. There's this huge thing where, at least for me, where a lot of the ethnic products for hair is like a tiny corner of an aisle, if it's even an mm-hmm. aisle at all. Whereas every yes. single other aisle for like hair and stuff is all the basic Eurocentric products. Mm-hmm. Every single time. Yeah. Every single time. It's there in hair and it's also there in a lot of other things. Like I remember like Absolutely. the whole makeup thing. Um, like pre-Fenty Beauty, it was just... Yeah. Like, obviously, there were, like, indie brands that carried bigger or, like, more diverse shade ranges. But, like, a lot of them, they could have invested. They could have, but when they did do a variety of shades, the shades they did were half-ass every single time. Like, it was the very extremes of every scale, if that makes sense. But, like, the thing is, it's like, you know, like, the, okay, I don't know the specific brands that did this or didn't do this, but, like, the L'Oreal's, the whatever of the world. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just, like, if you are doing a global audience, which a lot of them are, globally, white people are not that much of the population, and yet you look at, like, their, like, shade range, and anything darker than, I don't know, mm, what's a metric? I feel like there's a strict cutoff once you get past. I think anything mm, past. Selena Gomez. Okay, yeah, Selena Gomez. I was gonna say like a once you pass Selena Gomez, ooh. (laughs) There's just like there's there's not much. It's Uh, like an episode. If like you know you can pick like the skin tone episode and there's like skin tone number one. It's like one through seven. Yeah. That's what makeup is like. Yeah. So it would just be like. All of these shades mm-hmm. for like people lighter than this, but this isn't that dark. Not to have anything against people that are lighter than that, yep. but it would just be like two tones darker than that, maybe. And then like the undertones would just be so crazy. Like I have, yeah, I still struggle with this because I have an odd undertone, but like 
you know, it's just the whole thing that, like, demographically, it's just such, like, with beauty and with a lot of other things, it's just such a visual catering. Yep. Only to Eurocentric individuals. And then it's just, like, everyone else is an afterthought, if at all. Honestly, you hit it right on the nail. Mm -hmm. Like, as you said, it's always an afterthought. And I think it's hard because I think less about how it feels to be told that I'm an afterthought now and more of what it'd be like to see my child self be told I'm an afterthought. Like, that's the worst feeling. It's the worst when you feel like you're out of place Mm -hmm. and your appearance is one thing that just adds to that. Like, people are already insecure. People are already struggling with confidence as they're growing up. And it's hard when you look so different from other people and people make it clear to you. And you just don't necessarily know what to do about it, you know? Mm -hmm. It's just one of those things where it's like you're different and you learn to love it. Yeah, I had the same, like, thought that, like, I I care a little bit but not that much now. Mm Mm-hmm about things like that like it's unfortunately just one of those things that i've gotten used to and obviously there has been some progress as i've grown up but it's just one of those things that i get more sad thinking about like the little kids that i know or like potential children nieces whatever um just being like you know growing up was really damn hard not just growing up but you know growing up not in a majority um especially like i went to a very white high school so people would overtly treat me like an outcast yeah it was just like i was never seen as someone that could even be popular because i just yep that just wasn't where i was at i was Mm -hmm. just sidelined as the nerd you know that one you know she can't possibly be pretty uh just a whole bunch of things right um and so now i've gotten used to it and i like try to surround myself now with the people that don't act like that but it just it makes me sad thinking like six-year-olds still have to go through that and that's really sad yeah it is sad and i think that growing up it was hard and even in high school is hard because i felt like in so many facets of my life i have people telling me what i should do what i shouldn't do and it sucks even more when it's something that pertains to you and your body Mm -hmm. And, like, my hair is a part of me. I don't want anybody telling me what it should look like, what it shouldn't look like. I know oftentimes in high school people were like, when I'd straighten it, they'd be like, oh, I like it better curly. Or when Mm. it was curly, oh, you should straighten your hair. You should do this with your hair. You should dye your hair. And it's like, it's my hair. Yeah. Like, I feel like my hair sometimes for other people is treated as more of a prop than it is as, like, this is me. Like, that goes along with the whole touching my hair, like, messing with my hair. And... I don't know. Like, I've always just found it weird with the fascination, like, that people have with black hair sometimes because Mm -hmm. it's almost like a lot of time we get ridiculed for our hair. So I don't understand the fascination that comes with that as well. Like, it's Mm -hmm. this weird kind of juxtaposition. Yeah. So, and I think now, though, I, like, instead of wanting to camouflage myself and straighten my hair, things like that, I honestly view my hair as, like, the armor that I put on every day when I go out into the world. Like, mm-hmm. I love when my hair is just, like, <laughs> flowy and yeah. out. And it's, it's like, my hair is short. But best believe it's voluminous, okay? It's like, gorgeous. it bounces. It's there. And I just feel like now, rather than being something that I felt like I had to hide and mm-hmm. tone down, it's something that I feel so proud of and that makes me feel the most unique and the most like myself. Mm-hmm. Like, I love having my hair just everywhere even Mm -hmm. when it's wild like 
it it's like an accessory for me you know it's mm-hmm. like it takes my outfits from a 10 to a 20 every single time Truly so <laughs> yeah yeah i get that um and i think you were touching on how like the juxt like you were talking about the juxtaposition right that people was i right on that word because i was like okay okay i was like is that the right word um so you were talking about like the juxtaposition of people both like i don't know the word like hating on it Mm -hmm. and also just like exoticizing and admiring it yep um and i think that really ties to the idea of cultural appropriation which i feel like yes yes don't understand and i get why it's a it's Mm -hmm. an odd topic to think about especially if you've never felt that like little twinge of rage yep so i don't know do you want to go no i'm so glad you brought this up i'm so glad you brought it up because i oftentimes see a lot of kind of dispute and argument over what is and what isn't cultural appropriation especially when it comes to hair Mm -hmm. because a lot of times there's specific protective styles that are a lot of people that have coily hair Mm -hmm. more thick hair use because it's not just something we do because it looks nice like yes of course we love that and it's great to have nice Mm -hmm. hair but it not only protects our hair but it promotes growth it's like a way to be able to keep our hair maintained without having to tame it every single day because it's a process and you know that like Mm -hmm. it's very frustrating it can be a lot and I think that it's also not so much to be you know I'm not one to exclude people I'm not one to be like you can't do this but I think that there's also this piece that it's like these styles are built for a specific type Mm -hmm. of hair and when your hair doesn't fit that type it just doesn't make sense to do it like it's more damaging to your hair than it is protective and I feel like in so many cases the world takes so much from the black community it takes so much from minorities that it's like you could at the very least leave our protective styles to us like you could leave that at the very least because they're made for my hair and the hair of people who look like me and not necessarily yours Mm -hmm. so yeah, yeah, the thought I've always had about cultural appropriation, which, like, my experiences with cultural appropriation don't appropriation don't really have to do with hair, mm-hmm. but like the way I've always seen it is just like you know these are things intrinsic to my culture, my yep. look, my DNA, all of that. That like I like again I got outcasted for all my life, so yes, I'm going to have a little twinge of rage. When the things that did outcast me are then co-opted by the people. I agree. The group that did the outcasting. Like, it just feels a little bit like a stab to the back. And so, again, it's not about... I think a lot of people don't understand that cultural appropriation isn't about exclusion. It's just about, like, that feeling and just about, like, being able to claim the space of what is like culturally and ethnically yours i agree and i think that the other piece is that you're right like oftentimes we're ridiculed we're mocked for what we do with our hair not just Mm -hmm. with hair but in general what we do and it isn't until it becomes a trend or until a celebrity does something specific that everybody jumps on the bandwagon and all of a sudden it's less of mocking and more of like I want to do this with my hair, regardless of what the background for this is, regardless of what the history is and the culture is. Like, I just feel sometimes as if when people do specific styles, when they do specific things in their life, they don't acknowledge that 
there's people behind the styles, there's feelings, there's emotion, there's pain in that mm-hmm. stuff. And it's more than just braiding your hair. It's more than just doing these simple things. Like that's someone's entire experience as a person. So yeah. I feel like cultural appropriation is just a tough thing. Yeah, it's a very yeah. tough thing to understand. And like I understand why it is disputed and misunderstood. Yeah. But like again, it's also just like that's just like that feeling. And it's a very valid one. And so it I think is. it's something to talk about. Because I think there's a way that you can do specific yeah. things with culture without appropriating it and doing it in more of a way where you're appreciating it. Like honoring what's behind it. But it's a very thin line. Like it's very hard to do it and do it well. Yeah. So there's a lot of like patient consideration. Definitely. And like implications of like, what am I doing? Am I profiting off of it? Yep. Um, I guess who is at the forefront of this? All of that. Yes. And that could be its own whole topic that you could talk uh, on and on about forever. But I have a question for you. Yeah. So I know that when I have to get my hair cut and stuff, I honestly, I used to dread it a lot because <laughs> I was always so scared of how it'd be done. Because a lot of times, mm-hmm. a lot of people don't know how to do curly hair. Okay. And a lot of times I had one time I had like my hair was at my shoulders Mm -hmm. and Y was cut to the middle of my ears. It was cut so short. And this is not just a one time thing. Like this has happened many times because a lot of people don't understand how to cut curly hair. So I'm Mm -hmm. always scared to get it cut. So it's been this huge thing that I dread all the Mm -hmm. time Um, because, you know, it scrunches up. It like shrinks and. Oh, my gosh. It's always been the scary thing. Like, a lot of people don't really know how to handle hair that's not super easy to tame. Right. So. Right. I was just wondering if you had anything like that. Um, a little bit. So, I also had the thing that, like, in my, like, curly phases and somewhat now, Mm -hmm. like, I, again, like, I didn't have, I don't know, like, many minority, whatever, hairdressers? Hairdressers. Yeah. 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 Area. Um, and just, like, I think the cultural norm, regardless of ethnicity, well, regardless of ethnicity, is just to, like, default to straight hair. Yeah. And so it would just be like, I would go to get it cut, and it would be fine, except then I would keep asking, like, okay, what do I do? And they would just be like, okay, just straighten it every day. And I'm like, uh, uh, like, Mm -mm. even if I wanted to, I don't have the time for that. And it would just be like, I just, I need someone right now to like yeah help me do it and the same thing that like cutting and then like when your hair is actually the way it normally is it's just like oh it's the it's actually horrifying it's horrifying how bad haircuts can be once i really grew out my hair for this whole thing and then i donated it Mm -hmm. and so like the thing for donation is you're supposed to have i don't know some quota like maybe like six ten inches which makes sense right? yeah um because like you can't they can't, like, make a wig with, like, nothing. Yeah. So I went there, and I thought that they would, like, straighten my hair out before they cut it so it would be longer. And then I just walked into the place, didn't even brush it. Yeah. After I'd literally gone for a workout, and they just went... Oh, my gosh. I don't know if I'd be able to handle that. That's awful. I mean, thankfully, my hair was long enough that it was still okay. Yeah. I was just, like... That's that's my worst case scenario. That's what, you just live my worst case scenario. Oh, oh do I it's still a new fear? Yes. <laughs> I would love to donate my hair, but my no. hair does not grow fast. No, like my hair was, grows so slow. That was a special occasion. It's 
Like it's out of this world because it's your mom, so she will just go yes. in. Like she does not care. My mom would be putting in these little rubber bands after doing these twists, and I'm like, if you don't get your hands on my hair right now, like, oh my god, my head would be on fire. All right, my shit was burning. Fire burning. Fire, Fire burning. burning. <laughs> That's our intro song. <laughs> song. If I could do my bob the way she did my hair, ooh, I would love to do a little Rose Reverse moment. Oh. Just for like one hairstyle. Just but she won't let me do her hair. Oh, She's, maybe there's a reason for that. Yeah, <laughs> she maybe. knows. She knows. She knows that if it was my turn. Because <laughs> now I'm like, there's so many people that are tender-headed. I am not one of them. Mm-mm. What does that mean? It typically means that, like, in the sense that when someone's doing your hair, like, you're very sensitive. Like, your oh, scalp okay. is very... Se- I don't know yeah. why I'm pulling my hair right now, but <laughs> you'll be very sensitive to things or, yeah. like, I don't know, you can't... Like, I could have someone tug on my hair and I just won't care at all. Mm-hmm. Or, like, when I get my hair braided now, I've been... You kind of... I built a tolerance to it. Yeah. That that stuff doesn't really bother me. Or, like, if my mm-hmm. mom were to do my hair the way she did, you know, when I was younger. Not that she was doing it on purpose, but, like... Yeah. If she were to do it now, I'd be like, all right, this is chill. Like, this is fine. Because me, ooh. I am pulling my shit. I'm wrecking. Like, I need to be. I need to be softer. But you know, I see your little dying hair slash post breakup haircut. Oh, okay. So this was just like a little side tangent. So like, <laughs> we were talking both about like hair as like a form of cultural identity as well as expression. And so one of the things I was originally thinking about when I was thinking about hair is I think it's very cool how hair is used in media as mm-hmm. like you know a signifier of where a character is at in their story but yeah. it's not like in real life so one of my favorite examples of this is like i used to be obsessed with the movie mulan and part of that was that i did used to do martial arts as like a little girl <laughs> um and i was like one of the only girls in my class but like there's this big scene in the movie i don't know if you remember where like mulan's like getting all like i'm talking about the original i don't remember the live action when i watched it once but like in the original she's getting all dressed up in like the gear and all of that and she like takes a sword and with one fell swoop she just cuts it all off as a like, yep. fire that like you know that person i don't get to be her anymore and i'm not her i am just warrior now like that's just it um and then you know you can trace this to a lot of like tv shows and movies but they won't necessarily indicate it in such a mo like pivotal like big moment but it will be like you get to watch it and i think that's cool. yeah and one of the other things that's really fun about <laughs> life is the post breakup haircut Ooh, the post breakup glow up glow okay up. <laughs> that glow up is always insane that glow up is like getting a halo it is that's honestly one of the better parts of a breakup is just like <laughs> obviously they suck but man does that glow up it's like minor setback for a major come up it is like the amount of like post breakup haircuts i've watched and they've all been iconic yeah they look so good it's just like you know after like this long chapter in your life you're like okay i'm done with that and then you just are and that's kind of yes I'm trying to think. I don't think I ever... It's weird to me because I'm surprised I never go crazy with my hair after breakups. Well, I've only really had one breakup. but <laughs> So I guess we'll have to see. We'll have to see. But um, I I saw the dying hair and I was thinking about how... Um, what was it? A month ago? Maybe like a month and a half ago. Yeah. I, I was blonde for four years. And I recently dyed my hair back 
to my mom won't admit that it's black but i died she says that it's dark brown but it's black it's black on the record it's black okay um and so i dyed my hair back to its Mm -hmm. natural color and i like would go to all my friends my boyfriend i'd be like guys like am i gonna be boring like will i not look unique anymore Mm -hmm. like am i just gonna blend in with everybody like i don't know i don't want to be boring like that was just the thing Mm -hmm. i kept saying over and over and everybody was like you'll be fine like You look fine either way. And I'm like, but will I? Like, I had this huge fear that going from blonde to my natural color would suddenly just strip me of what was making me unique. Like, again, like I said before, when I was a kid, like, all I wanted to do was blend in. But now it's like I have this sense of pride with being different and Mm -hmm. looking different and having hair that's different. And so now I'm honestly really happy I did dye it. Like, Mm -hmm. yes, is it? you know, less bright and less like, oh my gosh. I still think it's but, like, bright. I don't know. I like, I definitely like it a lot. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like a badass. You are. I, like, I really do feel like, a, thank you. I feel like a <laughs> badass with my hair now. So mm-hmm. I really like it. And it's like, you're right. You said it before. Like, hair is, is a big part of expression and self-expression. Mm-hmm. No, I remember seeing that Instagram post you posted when you dyed it back. Yeah. Like, oh my God, <laughs> she looks good. Like, I, you weren't even there, but I was actually thinking that. I was no, like, stop. Damn it, she looks good. <laughs> like, and you with the red? Oh, the red oh. moment. When did you do it? In India, actually. Wow. So back to the thing that, like, okay, I have good hairdressers now. So, uh, my little thing is that when i'm at like home home in connecticut i mm-hmm. now get my hair done by this wonderful greek woman Ooh, i know because like, that's it's really the cute same thing that it's like yeah it's not the exact same but like there's some like similarities there and so she gets like, yeah Ooh. a little bit of like you know working with it a little bit and she gets curly hair like sometimes i don't even ask her to blow it out and she's like yeah <laughs> um, she's like no. no um and her and my mom will just talk about being immigrants it's really funny it's really um, cute though but i get that done but then i did want to like i my mom and i always get our hair done in india when we do get the chance like we don't get to go that often because it is inconvenient like time and it's expensive all of that's so, like when yeah. we go, it's a whole affair it's like for, like, literally the first thing we did when we landed was we went to the hairdresser. And it's really funny because I have a photo in my photo library where I was so jet-lagged. Because I had basically been out for 24 hours with the time change. Oh, my God. So I just suddenly spontaneously was like, well, if these are the people that will know my hair the, the best, which they do, and cut it the best, then if I'm going to dye my hair at some point. It's the best place to do it. Right. Because, like, my issue is, like, every time I've... I've wanted to do this hair coloring for a while, and every time I've pitched it to someone, um, they've been like, well, you could, but you'll have to bleach your hair, and it's not like I'm super opposed to that, but I wanted to figure out if it was a possibility yeah. to not do it. And so I was like, okay, I'll come here to people who not only have the same kind of hair, but that's like the only people they work with at all. Yep. So I actually did get to do that. I haven't bleached my hair at all. Really? Yeah. Girl, I had to bleach my hair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's really funny. I did that like the very first thing. Mm-hmm. My mom and I were so excited to get our hair cut. And there's just this photo of me where like the the people were like putting the hair dye on. And yeah. I was like, <laughs> the jet lag. It looks so natural. Like Thank they you. did a really good job with mm-hmm. it. I love hair dye. Like, I think if I dye my hair again, I'm going ginger. I've decided like this Ooh. gingery copper color. I'm so excited for That's it. Interesting. Yeah, my mom really wants me to try red, which 
I do, but I'm kind of scared. Like, I hate how hair looks when it grows out. Like, I've always hated it on me. Like, other people, it's fine, but on me, I'm just like, girl, get your shit done. (laughs) Go get your shit done. And I think copper is a good color. You can almost think of it as a gateway color. Yeah. Ooh. See, you put the idea in my head. You... When, when the idea's up here, it's going to happen. No, so. I'm, I'm always a trademark bad influence. <laughs> so if you don't want to be bad influence, just don't be around me. Yeah, I'm going to have to close my eyes and not look at you, not speak to you anymore. Too bad Where's Suhadi? Where's Suhadi? I can't hear you. I don't see you. <laughs> I wanted to kind of just touch a little bit on professionalism. Okay. And I feel like for a long time, like I definitely could be wrong, but I feel like for a long time when hair differs from the typical Eurocentric norms, um, it's regarded as unprofessional and unkept. I think it's so unfair because it already puts people and typically minorities at a disadvantage because oftentimes we are the people that don't have like the ideal hair, you know, Mm -hmm. like the whatever unfashionable standard that's been set Mm -hmm. um and as much as i complain about it now i even notice myself when i'm going to interviews when i'm going to be in at a professional event when i need to dress up and put my blazer on i always pull my hair back Mm -hmm. like i'll pull it back in a claw clip or a bun and i think it's because i have such a fear of the stigma that will follow me if i don't you know put my hair back like, I feel right. like I'll be considered unprofessional and it's just like it's another thing to have to worry about that is frustrating mm-hmm. so that was just my little spiel on it um and how I think that really I hope going forward I think now there's been a lot more of an advancement with that mm-hmm. like things have gotten better and a lot more styles are being accepted in professional settings but I feel like it's something that should have been accepted from the get-go yeah. and I feel like there's no need to like have a dispute on someone's hair and what it's, they choose to do yeah. with it. It's such a targeted claim to be like. Yeah, it I definitely is. I don't know is. how to say it, but like curls or like specifically. Yeah, it's definitely hard, and I think that I'm gonna. I need to personally start just work working on mm-hmm. like accepting that my hair is not unprofessional like yeah. as long as I brush my hair every day yeah. so as long as I'm presenting myself in a like professional efficient way then my hair follows that too mm-hmm. so that was my little spiel <laughs> my little spiel um I don't know where this fits into everything but I guess as just probably my little closing remark or story Mm -hmm, i in talking about um you know hair as a form of i guess cultural identity and all of that yep i often come back to like the south asian tradition of hair oiling and you can actually i was so proud to see this you can actually see a scene of it in bridgerton and it made my little heart so happy that's so cute and it wasn't even like a big deal like the the older sister just started like putting oil in her hands and did it to her sister and it wasn't like a like an exoticized thing she just started doing it in the middle of a conversation and it like it made me little me so happy but um basically it's a thing that like you know your your mom or your grandmother or your sister will take like coconut or olive oil like whatever is around at home it's not like a product you buy 
and just rub it in their hands and then give you a head massage. And oh my God, I'm telling you, it's the most heavenly head massage you'll ever receive. A spa cannot be there. I need it's one. Just your, it's just your grandmother like putting your oil in your hair and just like rubbing it. And then that way the next day when you wash it, it's just the most heavenly hair you've ever seen. Wow. And so it's like a tradition passed down over and over and yeah. over. Like my grandma did it to my mom and my mom does it to me. And then when I got to visit my grandma in India, she did it to me. And I was just like sitting on a stool below and it just came naturally to her. That's so cute. So it's just, it like it's just one of those things that makes my little heart happy. Oh, I want you to... We talked about this outside yeah. of the pod, but I wanted you to bring out the story of when you went to India and that girl was following you around. Oh, yeah, that was so mm-hmm. cute. That was a really so cute story. Basically, I, yeah, so I was in India over Christmas break and I was hanging out with my two little cousins and I decided, you know, I'm going to be like the little, like, older cousin that spoils <laughs> So I, I decided, like, that day, like, who cares what their mom says? I'm going to, like, not who cares, but, like, I, like, told their mom, my aunt, like, today is the day I'm spoiling them. I don't care how you normally spoil them, but today we're going to a trampoline park. Any request that they make, I'm fulfilling it. We're eating a lot of ice cream till our stomachs are not Yes, yes. So... I took my, like, little cousins to, like, the trampoline parks where you just, like, you know, there's, like, a foam pit yep, and there's, yep. like, a thing and all of that. So we were playing. My little cousin was laughing at me because I couldn't get out of the foam pit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> surrounded by five-year-olds. It's hard to get out of that foam pit. It's, it's like a trap. It's That's quicksand. built for five-year-olds. Like, <laughs> you know what? Here. If the limit's five, I'm five. <laughs> if the age limit is five, I'm five. No, they allow me to go in, but it's not built for me. So I'm, as, as like the only person in there that's above like a hundred pounds, I'm struggling to get out of this. And my little cousin's just like, ha ha ha, <laughs> Anyways, I was there and then, you know, I was throwing like foam, like little things at my cousin and he was throwing it back. And then there was like this little girl that I was not related to and didn't know there. And, um... You know, she was just like Didi, which is like the Hindi expression for older sister. And it's not always taken literally. It's just like you just say it respectfully to like any uh, somewhat older girl, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so she was just like, Didi, Didi, can you help me? And then she just started like playing with me and following around me. And like, it's just that whole thing that I think a lot of preteens, especially because you're in that awkward phase and everything, they really look mm-hmm. up to um older people in the same gender and she was just like looking at me like all like full eyed and just that's so cute and like copying me and like trying to play with me and oh my gosh it made me so happy no i i love that (laughs) stuff i love kids so much so just like i love kids (laughs) (laughs) like i adore kids i i think it's like a good and a bad thing but i really do admire how the way that, like, kids view the world. Yeah. Like, they see it in such an innocent and a pure sense. And mm-hmm. it's just, like, to be naive, you know? Like, obviously, yeah. I'm still very naive now. But there's just a certain way that kids look at the world and they get to look at the world because they don't know everything yeah. yet. And I really do admire it. I do admire it. I'm like, I wish I could learn from you, like, seriously. Like, yeah. I wish I could just, like, listening to the way they mm-hmm. talk. They're like, I'm like, yeah, you make a point. Kids really do spit facts. They do. So, and they're honest. They're so Sometimes honest. They're mean. Like <laughs> the kids are so mean. <laughs> kids can be so mean. <laughs> but I think they have a certain level of honesty that we do need. Yeah. Like they just 
they communicate their feelings and they're very like straightforward <laughs> about it. And I'm like, you know what? You kind of need that in life yeah. sometimes. So, yeah. yeah. Future me, if you're listening to this, I hope you had a good day. For <laughs> us, F stands for fresh, funny, fearless, feminist, and fuck. What do you stand for? Wait, do you want to do the little hair song? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wear my hair back and I wear my hair back and I wear my hair back and I wear it, I wear it real good. Ha, 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 ha.